Did Moses use other sources to write the first five books of the Old Testament? And if so, does that mean that they can't be trusted? Hey, I'm William Dyer. This is Dyer Conversations. Welcome to today's podcast. Okay, guys, if you're just joining us on this episode, I want you to know that this is a series that I'm doing on the reliability of the Old Testament. So if you've missed those earlier episodes, I'm going to put a link in the description below, and also a link's going to be popping on the screen right now for you to click so you can check out the earlier episodes. Okay, so I'm doing this series on the reliability of the Old Testament. Specifically, we're looking at the Law of Moses, or as it's called, the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And as we look at those first five books, uh, I've talked in the earlier episodes that there's really two main ways to approach the analysis of these books. You have the traditional view and the critical view. So here's what happens. The critical view, these critical scholars come along and there's they've built this theory. And in this theory, they have five major pillars on why they think that Moses used other sources to write the Pentateuch. So the first thing we have to look at is what these five sources are. Now, number one, it's going to be different names for God. These critical scholars will point out that God is called Elohim, and he's also called Yahweh. So what they'll argue is they'll say, okay, one source uses the term Elohim to refer to God, and another source will use the the word Yahweh to refer to God, and Moses took both of those sources and incorporated them into what we now know as the Pentateuch. All right, pillar number two is variations of language and style. Now, they don't mean variations of language as in, um, you know, Spanish, French, Chinese, English. What they mean is more of the style of the way somebody talks. So, for example, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a subscriber, you kind of get a feel for the way that I talk and the language that I use. I don't mean English, just the way I speak. However, if you went to somebody else's podcast or maybe sat in a lecture in college and you had a professor you know, who might be speaking a lot more proper, that's probably wrong English, but you, know, you, have, a, you have a professor who's speaking uh, very much in proper English. You're going to realize there's, even though we're supposed to speak in English, it's a different sort of style. Okay, number three, you have contradictions. Contradictions. So what they'll say is that there's contradictions in the text, and therefore those contradictions come about when you take source A, source B, join them together. There's going to be contradictions. So we're going to look at those supposed contradictions in a future episode. Okay, number four is duplicate stories. If you've read through the Law of Moses, you'll realize that there's some stories that are repeated. So for example, right off the bat, Genesis 1, creation. Genesis chapter 2, creation again. Critical scholars will look at that and say, hey, source A, source B, they're joined together, and that's why we have these duplications in these stories. And pillar number five is signs of composite structure in sections. They'll go through that whole text and they'll say, hey, look, this phrase is from that uh, source, and then maybe this sentence is from that source, and then this paragraph is from this other source. And what Moses did was he took all those different sources and made them a composite. And if we break down these passages, then we can trace them back to their original sources and show that Moses used all these different sources to compose what we know as the Pentateuch. So let me just state right off the bat 
that it's not a problem for somebody who believes in the traditional view that Moses actually wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. It's not a problem for us to admit or acknowledge that Moses might have used and very well could have used other sources as he wrote the text. The doctrine of inspiration, if you know anything about that, does not rest on the fact of simply Moses being infused with knowledge or taken over as some sort of robotic figure and just regurgitating words that God gave him. That's not what we mean when we talk about inspiration. So the fact that uh, you can admit that Moses might have used other sources in order to compose the Pentateuch is not a problem and does not contradict the doctrine of inspiration. So what I'm going to do for the rest of this podcast is give you the three ways that Moses is the actual composer of the Pentateuch. Now notice that I use that word composer, not author, because Moses is actually the composer of the Pentateuch in three different ways. Way number one is that he is the actual author, okay? So Numbers 33, 2 says this, Moses recorded their starting places according to their journeys by the command of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their starting places. So this is, you know, generally an assumed uh, position here. It's, it's nothing, you know, crazy for anybody to say is that Moses actually wrote eyewitness details into the Pentateuch. That is, he was wandering along with the Israelites. This is what he saw, and he wrote it down. That's part of the Pentateuch. Okay, the second way that Moses is the composer of the Pentateuch is that he is the editor of the text. What do I mean by the fact that he's the editor? Well, think, for example, all right, Moses doesn't show up in the Pentateuch until you get basically to the early part of Exodus, and at that point, he's a baby floating down a river. So where did Moses get all of this detail from, you know, the whole book of Genesis, including the creation story? I think it might be a little bit of a weak answer simply to say, well, God told him. God told him what, you know, what to write there. Well, maybe God did. You know, it very well could be, but the Bible doesn't necessarily say that God specifically explained to Moses, you know, in in rote detail, like this is what happened, this is what happened, and this is what happened. That's an assumption that you make, okay? But here's the thing that you have to understand. It's okay as a Christian to think that there were oral traditions being passed down by God's people. You know, I mean, you have um, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then, you know, you have the, the 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. It's okay to think that there were oral traditions that were being passed down by these different patriarchs. And then when you get to the time of Moses, that God guided Moses. Not that God took Moses over and dictated to him, um, you know, the, the book of Genesis, but more that God guided Moses in understanding the oral traditions of what was true, what was false, what was good, what was bad. That's okay also to assume. You know, see, God is still involved in that process. So we can view Moses as the actual editor of the Pentateuch. That is, he could very well have used other sources and that's absolutely fine. Let me ask you a question. If something doesn't come directly from a biblical author's mind, does that mean it's unreliable, inaccurate, or not true? 
Of course not. Of course not. There are plenty of things in the course of history that are true, reliable, and accurate that aren't given to us by the authors of the Bible. So if a biblical author takes a document that states that this event happened on this date, and that document is not you know, an inspired document, it doesn't mean that that document is unreliable. Or if a biblical author hears a story from somebody who says this event took place on this date, just because that person is not an inspired person does not mean that their testimony is unreliable, inaccurate, or somehow false. So again, we're not saying that Moses did take the oral traditions that were passed down. We're just saying it's possible he did, and if he did, that's absolutely fine by us because we would still think that God is involved in that process to guide Moses to still edit those things to where they tell the truth. Okay, now here's the third way that Moses is the composer of the Pentateuch, and I'm going to give you a term here and then define it. The term is, he was the amanuensis. Now, amanuensis is simply mean kind of like he's the, the scribe, or he's the, um, you know, like you're telling me to write something, and then I'm typing it down for you. That's basically what I mean by amanuensis. So how was Moses the amanuensis? Well, he was the amanuensis of God. The Old Testament, um, the law of Moses, over and over and over again, tells us that Moses wrote down what God told him face to face. Look at these couple verses. So it's scattered throughout the Old Testament, but I'm just going to give you a few. Exodus 17, 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So here we have God telling Moses, write this down. What's about to happen? Write it down in a book. Okay? So if he wrote it down in a book, you think that you're going to preserve it? Absolutely you would. Next verse, Exodus 33, 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. Listen, I mean, over and over again in the law of Moses, we see Moses meeting with God face to face and God talking to him. And Moses is over and over again seen writing these things down. So Moses is the amanuensis, and God is telling him, this is what you need to write down. Okay, next verse, Numbers 12, 6 through 8. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's a faithful, he is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly, not in dark scenes. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? So God rebukes these two and basically says, listen, there's prophets in the camp, and I speak to them in dreams and in visions and in dark scenes, but not with Moses. No, I speak to him face to face. Clearly, we meet together, and I speak to him. And then we know, like I said from other passages, that Moses writes these things down. If you read about the tabernacle, you know, there's multiple chapters that talk about the description of the tabernacle, and God specifically warns Moses to make the tabernacle according to the pattern 
that was shown to him and not to deviate from it at all. And if you again, if you read, you'll realize that when they do deviate from the pattern, that God rebukes them and judges them for it. So Exodus 25, 8-9 says, Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. According to all that I'm going to show you, as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furniture, just so you shall construct it. So the reason why I point this verse out is because God says, listen, I'm going to show you the pattern of the tabernacle. It's going to be very specific and in detail. And we get those details in the law of Moses. It's multiple chapters. And God says, do not deviate from it. Make it according to this pattern. Very specific about it. Very strong language that God uses to warn Moses to do this. And so, again, a huge chunk there we know is directly dictated to Moses by God. So Moses is God's amanuensis. Finally, let me make this point. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that these critical scholars deny that Moses is the author or composer of the Pentateuch because of these five pillars that I named earlier. Because if these are the pillars by which we are to go by, then these critical scholars should deny that they're the authors of their own books. What do I mean by that? Well, in their books, they're going to have references. They're going to quote people. They're going to have footnotes. They're going to have a bibliography, right? They use other sources. Yet on the front cover of their book, it only has their name as the author, doesn't it? Maybe it has an editor. Maybe it has a publisher, but they are the author. Never once does it say, well, I'm the author, but let me show you about 40 other authors of this text as well, all the other footnotes. No, they're the author. Why? Because the author of a text, even though he may use footnotes and maybe he uses other references you know, and um, has a bibliography, it's the author who is responsible for the flow of thought and the content within the text. So an author might have a point to make, and he can make that point by stating it in his own words, or he can give a quote. Regardless of whether he states it in his own words or gives a quote, he's the one who's responsible for the content that he is putting forth and saying, this is my point, even if my point is stated by somebody else. So how does that relate to our study? It doesn't matter. If Moses used other sources, we've already said, just even if he used other sources, it doesn't mean those other sources are unreliable. We also know that God is involved in the process of guiding Moses in writing the first five books of the Old Testament. And even if Moses used other sources, we would still consider Moses the author, just like we do with any other book in history. We never hold any book to that sort of standard where we make them state, well, every single footnote, every single reference I give, we're going to consider as an author of the text. No, that's just not the way we work. So in this podcast, what we've said is that there's five pillars to the critical theory, and we're going to evaluate them in future episodes. But we looked at Moses as the composer of the Pentateuch in three different ways. Number one, he is the editor of the text. Number two, he is the actual author of the text. He wrote in his eyewitness details. And number three, he's the amanuensis of God. He wrote down at God's dictation. 
So everything within the Pentateuch, we can still look at and say, this is from Moses. He is responsible for what is in there and developing the flow of thought, and ultimately God is there to oversee the whole process to make sure that His truth is conveyed. Okay, so stay tuned for future episodes as we evaluate those five pillars of the critical theory so we can see that you can still affirm that Moses is the author of the Pentateuch and these pillars crumble under the weight of evidence.